0: Everybody is Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast about video games and beer. I'm Ben. I'm here with Addle. Hey. Hey. The two of us rolling straight in off the back of episode 150.
1: Yeah, now we're, we've got a lovely palindrome.
0: Yay! Nice. So episode 151. Uh, not so special episode, but still special because we're here. Hooray! Hey, I would say, hey, now they're all special. Hey. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Our, our roving reporter in the field, Lucy Eward, is out this evening because she is at a Tiny Rebel event because it's their birthday—seven years. Happy birthday, Tiny hey. Rebel! I was going to make a joke about how
1: it was a rebel event that's small, but I, I'm, I'm honestly exhausted and <laughs>
0: get there. <laughs> Let's move on to the beers. We're going to drink the ceiling. Adol, what are you starting with?
1: Uh, I'm continuing Korea Month. Um, oh, yes. didn't have a chance to go anywhere, but knew I had some Korean beers in the fridge. <laughs> uh, the Booth Brewing, it's a milkshake IPA. I cannot pronounce the top words. Literally, whatever. Gemsugang-san? Okay. Means rivers and mountains as if embroidered on silk. It's a traditional figurative expression referring to the beautiful Korean landscape. Combining the rich, creamy mouthfeel of a milk-shaped IPA with the natural tartness of black currant, the fruit character in this New World Hops is accentuated... Resulting in its beautifully balanced, luxurious hoppy beer, and it doesn't mm-hmm. tell me what the hops were, but it oh. is six percent, and it's this like gorgeous can.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. Sort of
1: a little Sergeant Pepperzy, or no, not a Yellow Submarine. That's what I'm thinking of. Sorry.
0: Mm-mm. Um, nice large cat on there as well, hugging a building or a tower of some kind.
1: Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, but I don't know if you notice on the top of the tower.
0: Ah. There
1: is a weird three cyclops with three finger spike
0: things on his head. <laughs> thing. That guy. Nice. You pull that. I'll tell you what I've got. Um, so, we didn't have an episode last week. I was away for uh, for the week. Um, and I went Ooh. down to Weymouth, which I do quite often. And um, because Weymouth is a nowhere town, doesn't have a bottle shop. What? So, I went. Back to the local Londis. I think I've mentioned it before. I've been there before to pick up some some beers. They've got a good selection. Um, A lot of, I don't know whether Londis are Manchester-based company or whether they just have a very good relationship with uh, with the Manchester distributor. But a lot of Manchester-based breweries in Hmm. Londis. Um, So I've got one of those that I'm going to drink tonight. But I'm going to start with uh, a beer called Corbel which is an IPA, 5.5% from Eight Arch Brewing Company, who are from, I think it's Wimborne. Yes, it is Wimborne, which is just up the road from Weymouth, where I was. So a local brewery to Weymouth. Uh, and this just says it's their signature IPA, showcasing some of our favorite American hops that give massive tropical aromas. Uh, they had about four beers there, maybe, maybe five. Okay. Uh, but I thought I'd just try, that. I've never had anything from these guys before, so I'll try an IPA. Hmm. Solid, decent benchmark test. Yes, yeah. Only a little can, unlike sort of the most of the offerings that were in the uh, that were in the Londis.
1: Yeah, I mean, this one's also for the, for the audio listeners. Only a, a regular three thirty mm can as well.
0: How is yours? Um, What's it looking like?
1: Um, it's reddish in tone, quite dark, Ooh, hey. AZ, Um you immediately get that blackcurrant tartiness um it's a little a little sweet on the nose but mostly it's a, that hit of blackcurrant
0: yeah um looks super um i mean with the head and stuff it makes it look a little bit sort of like crisp um it kind of makes it at least on the video what i've kind of seen you know you it's it's a little translucent it makes it more like a maybe like a kettle sour or something like that with that yeah. red color with that really vibrant sort of red Definitely. or purpley, kind of creeping through there. Ooh, I'm assuming it's probably a little thicker perhaps. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: it is thick. It's got this... The, mm. It's not too velvety in texture. Like it's, it, okay. it feels thick, but it doesn't stick and linger. It doesn't coat. Mm. Not that much. Still, maybe a little bit. You, I mean, that black is there the entire time. Um, not like in your face, just that's the primary taste. Yeah. This is, like, an eye-opening, crisp, um, very crisp beer. Um.
0: Eye-openingly crisp. It's that sort of... Uh...
1: Yeah, it's not, like, in your... Like, it's not, like, a bash your head in it, but, like, that tartness, okay. like, just sort of... Oh, right. It, like, mm. brightens your whole mouth, if that makes sense. Just because you're like, ah. And the... Yeah. And the it leaves you a bit dry. that And, like, I think part of that is that tartness... You get some of the bitterness out of the hops, as well. But they're, they're I mean, they The can's not right, wrong. I think it said something about like being balanced. Like, I can just sort of sense the difference between the tartness and the bitterness. Um, but they they sort of dovetail really well together. Um, the I guess like the one thing I will say is uh, mostly blackcurrant. Yeah. Like you're not. There's no sort of other. Fruity flavors I'm really getting, but it's really tasty and like I said, it it it's sort of mouth brightening, but it's not like you know, squid your face up. Oh god, it's so tart. It's just like holy yeah. like a burst okay. of, of tartness. Yeah, it's it's a nice balance of of, of a tarty um, beer, but with again that that sort of the rest of the beer is on a very low sort of. It's not like a spiky taste profile. It's just like mm. this is what we're doing, and we're gonna fade out, and you're gonna see taste a little more beery elements very near the end. But unfortunately, because it dries you out, I'm going to lose that lingering
0: flavor yeah, a lot. I think. Yeah, yeah. Interesting that they've kind of tried to go for you know, that range of different things and merge those different things together. You know, the the, the, the tartness, that kind of like that beery follow up, but also this slightly more creamy kind of mouthfeel. Yeah. With it I, as I well. guess,
1: yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing because usually the creamy mouthfeel doesn't dry you out. Um, but this one does. Like, it just... Mm. it's. I think it's because it doesn't sort of coat. So it gives yeah. you that texture, but then it, dis- it all disappears fast. And I think the fact that it's bitter and tart gives you that um, drying out taste as well as the actual mouthfeel. Mm. Like, I think it... I don't know how... Now that I'm, like, thinking on it, my mouth isn't as dry so much as I'm wanting to quench. Okay. So it might not be as sort of drying out as I initially thought. I think it might be that the... The two types of bitter, like the bitter and the, and the tart sour, are working together for, for my mouth to be like, "Nope, need need something else, need more liquid." <laughs> yeah. Um. And and, uh, and yeah, I think if possibly if the um, the texture was a little thicker or like if it lasts a little longer, the liquid it you would sort of fight some of that off.
0: But it's good. How about nice. Um On the nose, it's it's um very very sweet. Really, getting a punch of sort of like tropical fruits, but maybe a little bit uh, malty as well on the nose. Uh, you know, the, the the tropical fruits and the hops aren't kind of dominating, even though they're very very present. Mm. There is a lot going on in that nose. Uh, it's it's you know, it's quite orangey, reasonably like. sort of orangey, yeah, a little bit bronzed perhaps under the lights. Um, the head has has dissipated quite a lot, but it was quite large when I poured. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might just be, oh well, it, it's been sat in my fridge for, uh, you know, like four or five days, so it would have settled. Yeah. It's not like I came back today and it's been travelling or anything, so. Hmm. Flavour wise, definitely lose a little bit of that sweetness that mm. you get off the nose. It kicks in a little bit more towards the end. You maybe lose the maltiness a little bit, but perhaps that's kind of just pulling down and bouncing out the hops because I'm getting some stone fruits definitely coming through in there a little bit very very maybe a little bit of grapefruit very slightly It kind of moves into this slightly lighter sort of stone fruit which is maybe maybe a little bit peachy perhaps but it starts off almost with this very light bitterness that rolls all the way through it um, doesn't really get any, you know, the the bitterness doesn't kind of grow or lessen at all through it. It's just very easily sort of Most stable, stable throughout. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Whilst that flavour profile changes very slightly, I think that that bitterness just backs it up really well. It just keeps that consistency. Right. Uh, throughout, which allows that flavour to kind of to flow a little bit. It is it is dry. Um, the 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 stone fruit is kind of what sticks around, and the bitterness that that stays on the tongue quite a lot. Um, after the kind of like the, the the fruits have faded now, but it's kind of the that first maybe tropical, slightly slightly bitter kind of grapefruit coming through first. Goes into that stone fruit, and then that's what sticks with you. So maybe it's that kind of that grapefruity, which is kicking off the bitterness sort of flavor, which allows it to then flow all the way through. Um, it's very nice. It's very easy to drink. It's only five point five percent. I've already had three big glugs. Um, yeah, I just took a big glug off mine as well,
1: and mm. it works really well in bigger sips actually, because you get a little yeah. more of the beer, and it's like the black. I think the black kicks in a little later, so having more in my mouth I actually found that um it's yeah it's a little less and maybe it's just also because I've had a few sips and I'm getting used to it but it just like that big sip sort of made it taste more like a beer that sort of ended with this fruity finish rather than fruit the entire way through but again I could just be being acclimatized to it
0: Mm. nice nice okay Mm, I don't think I'm getting much more than I've described from this so we can return to it later Mm. um so I thought I'd kick us off this week uh, straight into the first segment, um, and I wanted to pose a question um, for us to kind of t- to discuss. And that question kind of is: What do you feel games um, have relied upon, which maybe need to kind of disappear these days? And this can be anything um, that you can kind of think of, which kind of maybe needs to come out of the. The current sort of zeitgeist for games to maybe not use as much or lean on as much and it kind of was spurred on a little bit from um having two games coming out tomorrow two big triple a titles which are both they're very different in terms of their post-apocalyptic kind of settings but they're both post-apocalyptic kind of games uh, in metro exodus and um far cry new dawn right and we've done post-apocalyptic worlds quite a lot haven't we i mean there's always yeah. something different to kind of do with those um there can always be futures that we haven't envisaged which can then go to to shit um to have you know you can have steampunk kind of dystopian post-apocalypse which kind of we worlds don't have a lot of no no um, so, I, mean, I i think kind of what we get is much more kind of like modern day, I was gonna say, I post-apocalyptic think kind of worlds. My, my
1: biggest problem, and besides just like we could try other things, um, is that, that it's like roughly now slash 20 years in the future mm. um, where everything's gone wrong. Okay. Yeah. So like there's a very minimal shift between the post-apocalyptic game of 10 years ago and now because slightly different understanding of what technology is at yeah. the base state. But other than that, same games. Completely, Early.
0: and it, same as, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether, it depends, I think, on maybe the jump between when the the event happens to when you're actually playing. So you have something like uh, Fallout, which, you know, it's a few years after, a few decades after. Yeah, but obviously you're stuck in that kind of like that 50s kind of aesthetic and that's yeah. kind of what you're rolling around. And Metro, you're stuck in... Um, you know a more modern day aesthetic and yes you're then a few decades on and that's what you're stuck with i think maybe mutant year zero did it a little bit i've not played metro exodus so i can't yeah. attest to how well they do it um but mutant year zero did it really well in that it was kind of modern day where it all went wrong uh, a little bit in the future so some other yeah. things have kind of happened which is standard but, yeah but then the jump was quite a hundred maybe maybe more than that i can't remember yeah maybe and, and the years, change is like quite that. significant yes so there's a significant change you're not uh vault dweller running around you know you've, you've you've come straight out of the vault when it's kind of okay for you to do so in fallout so mm. you're right on the cusp of kind of the the changes on the new world as such um, you haven't had that time to be part of a society to develop to then have children yeah, which, for to then be them yeah, to kind of play through
1: which makes the like the grounding of the society really boring yeah if, like, there's so much more creative things you can do when you envision when you can write and envision you know decades of change and, and pardon the pun fallout of yeah you know cultural fallout and if you just make it like well we were either in a box where and we didn't and we didn't change in the box magically Mm. or this just happened five years ago so we're all clinging to the same basic idea of of what the world we wish we the world we miss rather than this is the world we've gotten used to um also i mean that's one of the things that was sort of disappointing to me um i get why they did it in the division two um is that they just the division one was like a terrible attack in a city and the city had biological problems, et cetera. That was a nice, unique thing because it was like you are—you are an operative going to deal with, you know, modern-day Chernobyl kind of thing. Yeah. And then what they've done now is, oh, it all spread, and <laughs> and, and and you're in DC, but you could yeah. be anywhere because it's everywhere is chaos and broken like that. It, it, I mean, I was going to save the discussion of this as the second segment, um, <laughs> but I've managed to to segue into it um but like just the we'll talk about the gameplay and stuff later but like Mm. the the intro cinematic of like we all lost everything and society collapsed and we all fend for ourselves and there's like rogue vigilant people rose up to be vigilante justice people and now we're and there's scavengers and thieves and like oh so we're in mad max but with a good faction
0: yeah
1: and you're an expert from the old days (laughs) <laughs> and you're going to support the good faction? Like this is your narrative choice?
0: I don't. I don't think they gave a. Or shit. I didn't see whether they gave. <laughs> I don't think they gave a time difference. Obviously, it's not set in winter anymore. It's more kind of spring, summer. I assume um, it's like a, a couple, maybe a couple, few years
1: on. But like yeah, that's the point. It's the same.
0: It's, it's not going. the following summer. At least it's not sort of like six months later. Or at least it doesn't. I mean, it could be. But it, they don't sort of differentiate with that. Obviously, some settlements have kind of started to appear and be built up and things. But that—I mean—that could happen in six months. That, that yeah. you know, that people could have got to that point. Um, I that think point. DC really was chosen because I'm—I'm I'm assuming they're trying to thrust some kind of narrative in there, all about what, getting on power back. But is it yeah. really getting? Who are you getting power back for? Type of thing. So. Yeah.
1: And it's not clear that given that, like, the government's collapsed, why you would go to D.C. when, like, like, if you wanted to sort of take retake over the country, a place where there's more people, like, New York actually makes more sense. So- oh, but everyone's <laughs> dead in New York right now, I remember. Yeah. But, like, Is L.A. Just, or some of the other. Like, D.C.'s heavily populated, but not, like, the most heavily populated. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it it, it was... I mean, yeah, it was just, I, I really was let down by that opening intro. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it was also, like, thwack you over the head. Um, but, like, it, it was just, like, this is exactly, but the main reason was, oh, okay, so we're in another one of these situations. Except we'll have yep. these contaminated zones like they were in the original one. But that made sense because, the, like, the bioterrorism had just happened and it was, like, in the ground or whatever. Mm. Uh, roughly, right? Now it's like some arbitrary amount of time has passed, and some areas of DC are cool, and some aren't. Uh...
0: (laughs) Yeah, it does blur it a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, Um... but it blurs it
1: in exactly the way that you were sort of pointing out with Metro and Far Cry. It's like it blurs it in the same beige gritty brown realism that... Has been like I guess we've we've moved on to bitter gray realism of regular cities to people complaining that the bitter gray brown doesn't reflect the real world. Oh, it's because the world ended a few months ago. That's why it's bitter. yeah. Like, I, I, we don't you know, need to update our textures. We've just changed the setting to match what you were complaining about.
0: Well, I think things. So I I I can see why you know the games are kind of trying to to push along a little bit because uh, Metro, you're on this train and you're traveling through Russia. So. I think there's sort of... um, You go to, like, the Caspian Sea, so there's a little bit more sort of, like, desert, and and you're travelling through a year as well. So they do touch on a few... You know, there is a colour palette difference, uh, a vegetation difference in a few of the the areas and stuff, and Far Cry New Dawn is... That's a little bit further on than, you know, it's not the... Again, it's not the year after something happens. That's a few years on, so factions have been able to establish themselves. And it looks quite lush, but Far Cry's kind of always looked a little bit lush. They've just then made it post-apocalyptic and kept it lush and a bit more like mad max you know suddenly there's yeah. doors and things bolted onto the sides of trucks for people to kind of use and that have cobbled together uh, from like dying a dying society but i think it's always just kind of like that oh yeah stuff's gone to shit there's gonna be there's gonna be familiar bits there's gonna be some different well, things you know we we haven't quite had that we've gone to a new planet Everything's a bit sci-fi, and now it's all gone to shit. So yeah. suddenly we're in a we're already in a different, okay. you know, we're already out of our comfort zone. We're already in a completely different world, experiencing something different. And now stuff has gone to shit. And if we'd have had kind of maybe you know like Far Cry, then we've had we've had a Far Cry game, and now we're having the post-apocalyptic version of that Far Cry game. If we'd have had yeah. maybe like a sci-fi game, like something like Mass Effect, and then had a yeah. follow-up game where You know, maybe you didn't save everyone, and it all went wrong. And suddenly, you know, it's a it's a nice way to have a sequel, which kind of builds on the first game, but change stuff up enough.
1: But then I can't just send a a team to scan real buildings. I mean, so (laughs) when I uh, when you first asked that question, um, I was thinking maybe open worlds. Sure. And then I re- and then talking about this, I realized oh one of the great reasons to go post apocalyptic is you don't need to have all the people moving mm. and being animated and calculated. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of resources, and you need that in an open world game, and that takes a lot out. But if I just kill everyone, that <laughs> plot move, yeah, and then, uh, then I only have to animate five people, <laughs> and I don't have to polish my textures. I just you know hit the grit button on Photoshop. <laughs> uh, but I, I, but I mean, I, I, this is why I think they're related is because you could more easily do a fully populated game if it was more on rails than an open world sure. game. Sure, yeah. Um, you just don't have to worry. Mm. Um, I mean, Red Dead, from what I've seen, because I haven't played it, um, it's great because it's the West. There's just not that many people yet.
0: Yeah, pre sparse. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but what you were saying about sci-fi would work, could work the same way.
0: Mm, true,
1: and I think we haven't had a hard R sci-fi AAA game in a while.
0: Mm. I know, sort of, uh, you know, Mass Effect andromeda tried to to do kind of. I mean, the the premise for that game was kind of what I would what I would want from a sci-fi game. Um, you are going out to or at least colonies have started to become established and you're kind of one of these almost new frontiersmen going out to kind of build on this and help with this and stuff you know i like that idea of the you know as as most sci-fi kind of deals with like the unknown and discovery uh you're then already building on top of people that have kind of got there and have started to establish things so there's you know there are settlements and they can very easily build in sort of gameplay mechanics around those those sorts of things uh, but I can't remember there was a oh, it was in like the Starhawk universe was it no it was in the Warhawk universe and it was called Starhawk which was like a PS3 game which kind of tried to meld that with then in a bit of a tower defense kind of hmm. thing and it didn't didn't work so well but that when I heard about that game first years and years ago I'm like this is this is the game i want this is exactly what i want uh yeah. well it wasn't what i wanted yeah, but premise wise uh, premise wise and i kind of i still like that i still like something and i know we're seeing um whatever obsidian's new game is what's that called the outer worlds oh yeah yeah Fallout five yeah yeah That may give us a little bit of that. Uh, You know, it may be kind of like the Wild West in space. Um, But I mean,
1: at at least retread the same ground and twice, I guess. (laughs) I mean, it looks interesting. Um, Hmm. It looks like they're letting go of some of the things that have been sort of stuck on. Yeah, yeah. uh, Retaining some of the nice things.
0: Yeah, and I think that's just what I want—a little bit more of. If we're going to do you know we don't need to do any more post-apocalyptic games just we, we we've had a lot but if you're going to do one do make it, differently. it interesting do it yeah. differently try something that you're not just going to get somewhere else um you so, know, and okay fine like metro is slightly different to the division uh in their different perspective kind of shooters you're maybe doing things a little bit different you know one's a bit more stealthy one's a bit more loot driven uh you know, slightly different iterations on kind of the same thing, really, or the same central mechanic of shoot those dudes. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see maybe post-apocalyptic not revolving around having to shoot those dudes as well, uh, you know. Yeah, of... I think
1: that's a good point. It's like, if you're going to retread the same sort of recent post-apocalyptic thing, do something else differently. Like, mm. But the fact that the gameplay and the... Um, and the premise... Sorry, I just realized my laptop's got a crack in it. Oh. Uh. wonder when that happens. I thought it was a hair, and I was like, nope. I'm um, sorry. Uh, hmm, uh, it's only on the weird hinge part. I'm sure it's fine. Um, <laughs> famous last words in the last two weeks of your dissertation. Eesh. Back up, back uh, up, back up. Um... Yeah, do something else differently. Or, like, I was just mm. thinking, you know what's a post apocalyptic, or a pre apocalyptic, an apocalyptic, pick a peckle, pick a peckle, pepple, problems An apocalyptic game that was a unique setting, a unique take in a familiar setting ish, was Massive Chalice from, like, a few years back. The idea was the blight was coming and you were fucked and you had to survive for 300 years, roughly. Mm. Uh, and and like yeah, the setting of like, you somehow being in the chalice and there being two voices—that stuff—that is weird fantasy nonsense garbage that was for the, the narrative. Yeah, it didn't really do a lot. Could easily get get out of. But the idea of like the medieval kingdom and having the world slowly eating away and being invaded—I mean that—and like and having it almost inevitable and you just having to survive. Mm. Forget about the SRPG mechanics of it. it was a really interesting setting because it was yeah. kind of like. Yeah, like the middle ground of all these things. It's like, hey, the world is about to end, but you have some time to deal with it, but it's you're kind of fucked. And we're also in a medieval world. We have some idea of magic, but not a lot. And you don't normally get that because we think, like, sort of fantasy settings are like like medieval, and so therefore the world can't end because the world is now. And you're like, no, 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 that's not how this works. Yeah, but that's kind of yeah, how it yeah. feels. It's like... A lot Most. of times when we get these fantasy games, they're not big world-ending things. Let alone the world has been like crushed by, like Sauron won, and now we're dealing with the fallout. That would be mm. interesting. Yeah, um, it would. But we don't do that because that narrative is the heroes win. Because it's it's like these archetypal things, but nothing prevents you from doing that type of thing. Get like, sure, every story's been told, but reshuffle the deck a couple times and flip whatever cards you get, and like just figure it out like that would be interesting like would, can you definitely. imagine like a, 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 a swords and bows um division type thing with like orcs and goblins like the world's collapsed you're hiding in, in the cellars of a like in the backwaters of some like ancient town and you have to retake the castle so that you can i don't know you know like that would be interesting Same sort of sparse people, right? And there's bad zones because of magic, whatever. You could reskin that game and make it interesting. Um, Well,
0: again, why The Witcher worked quite well, because it could be sparse. You know, you were in sort of this fantasy medieval time, so there were just swathes of farmland or forests uh, or or hills and stuff, so you didn't need that, you know, the the, the populated sort of world to have to deal with. Uh, Again... Not a post-apocalyptic setting, so we can-
1: oh, yeah. But like, in mm, but- in the world at some other time is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, and and you're saying maybe some other planet, and I
0: think both of those work. Oh, completely. And I, I think as well, you know, I'm I'm sort of saying a little bit like you know, move out of the comfort zone a little bit because yes, we might not go for shooting as such, but we may remain in that kind of like that action game Combat. kind of area. But I mean something like no one's going to make this game but um if you had like life is strange was relatable because of the the setting and the characters um but something like that something which is maybe a bit more narrative a bit more dialogue based um your you know that's kind of revolving around that how people live in that society yeah, um, and get through, and are able to, have, and, and you know, you can have a big bad that appears, and you've got to do something about it, and whatever. And small you bads want. are you know, okay too. The whole too. fucking joy of fiction, do what the fuck you like. Yeah, I
1: say. The problem then is you'd have to pay for writers.
0: That's true. We we could get onto the um the topic <laughs> of the issue between gameplay versus uh between gameplay versus narrative, but um, I think that might be a, an episode, a whole yeah. episode, yeah that's a robotic horse we flogged to death <laughs> it certainly is yeah. yeah so um kind of is there is there anything else off kind of like the top of your head that you think maybe has been a little bit done to death that needs to kind of either go away or change a little bit more um
1: i mean again i think i mean i like Warp open world games but I think mm. the reason why I said that one because it dovetailed with, with what you said yes um, yeah. and, and I think technologically that's sort of people expect it a little bit and also the best way to do that again I think is why is to depopulate the universe but um, also it's just like I didn't like GTA 4 so much it was okay. small I I'm mostly just didn't like the narrative arc of the main character right but there mm. was a narrative arc like that was a narrative game yeah, and it, it was, was an open world game and it worked yeah and then when they made the city really big for GTA 5 they figured out oh if we have three characters who live on the other sides of the city that'll work too mm-hmm. um say i mean some people aren't a big fan of the way the storytelling works but it's clearly a a story like the storytelling worked in the sense that the story was clearly being told and it wasn't sparse sure and i think like you don't need the giant biggest map such that you can't put people in it because you're rendering too many things or whatever. Um, uh, and I honestly, like, don't... Like, good level design is, is, is you know, key, and some of that is lost in sort of the open world thing, with the exception yeah. of maybe, like, the way Hitman 2016 does it because the I whole can, point yeah. is that... Like, th- those are well-designed levels. Even though mm-hmm. they're big, they're still also pockets compared to like these other games. But like that's, I'd like to see more of that, where they've either thought really well about a smaller layout, and the point yeah. is that you have then the freedom of movement is a, is a point
0: of gameplay, not just a, like generic. Completely, I think it's one of the not quite to the same extent as Hitman, but I think it's one of the things that that um, that the new Tomb Raider games have done very well in having those kind of that linear gameplay within that pocket of a larger area to be able to explore and approach how you want to uh i think um from what i've read at least on the metro exodus reviews metro is a little bit like that as well you've got pockets of bigger open areas which you are then linked to by much more narrative driven linear kind of corridor elements um which i think is really good i I think it was a really nice kind of Mix um, of sort of like the two different things merging together in, in rise of the tomb raider from very recent memories So I'm really looking forward to kind of how Metro Exodus kind of do that But I think I'm very similar with you not. It's not maybe open-world fatigue I'm I'm happy to go and play another kind of open-world game uh, It's maybe just kind of open-world Boredom perhaps it's just a bit more kind of like I'm not I'm not tired of these games I could just do with something else. Well, I think the big a big part of that
1: boredom for me is that these worlds are, are just empty and boring, and there's no point... A lot of the times, like, the last couple of Assassin's Creed's I poked at were like, well, yeah, mm. I could wander, but why would I bother? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's I don't like these games where there's space for the sake of space. I mean, to be honest, like, I've only poked at Just Cause 4 a little bit, but, like... Ooh. Um, it's bigger... But I didn't have a problem with the size of Just Cause 3. It had the right. It was huge. And I could do the man.
0: Just Cause 3 jumped up from Just Cause 2 as well, hadn't it? Yeah, yeah. By quite a large amount.
1: Yeah, it was one of the biggest games, I think. At least. Whatever that record is. Um, Yeah. um, Same thing with. To, uh, like Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon T M Tom Clancy's TM, Ghost Recon's <laughs> Wildlands. Uh, I used to have that down pat. Um, that game, as soon as you beat an area, there was no point to come back to it. So yeah. it was like huge, but not in a like kinda just sucked. Like I like I mean I didn't I only beat a few areas before giving up on the game. Um yeah. but it's just like, well what's like yeah, some guys might respawn sometime, but like you've done all the missions in this area, it's basically just grayed out. And because of difficulty, there's still kind of a linear path. Like, I would rather you just spend more of those resources instead of having to like do these huge renders, etc., and give me a tighter story than the one you gave me, which was like yeah you can attack any of these guys except not really because the weapons available in this place means that you kind of have to go can only live through the next place like don't fucking like don't do that either give me the yeah. giant stupid map and have it a giant stupid map where i can do whatever i want in whatever order because that's the game you designed that's but the then point. make the yeah. story easily map to it or give me like what was it um i want to say the club that's not right what is that fucking driving game number two failed miserably by ubisoft the crew the crew yeah the crew yes. was sort of similar you could kind of but you really could had to go like kind of across the the states to unlock the right things in the right order to win the right races and then you think of like need for speed most wanted the original not need for speed mm. most wanted and that was like no you do air, you do a few events that pop up on your map and then you beat this street racer and then you do the events on the pop up on the map yep. and you beat this street racer and like so, the crew was that game only pretending to be open world, but you were doing the same thing on a larger map, but they were saying you could go anywhere. I'm like, I can't, though. <laughs> like, my car won't win this battle. You are lying to me.
0: Well, you could you could go anywhere. You just couldn't do anything when you got to yeah. where you went to, yeah.
1: And then it makes yeah. the travel vacuous, and I think that's my biggest problem with, like, yep. Ubisoft-style open world games. And, like, that's one reason why I'm looking forward to The Division 2... Um, because it's not that big, mm. at least from Didn't what seem I understand. It. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch more zones, uh, and I'm sure they'll. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they like expanded the map or whatever. But like, it's yeah. clearly not like it's a huge world. You can go in a lot of buildings, you can explore a lot, but it's much more tight. And I think that's a good move.
0: Completely, you're. you're I mean, you're staying in. Like this area, it, th- this is your level. When well, they say that, like it's a area, level range, and so yeah. it's
1: like okay, I can explore, and you can like try and explore, and you had that mm. thrill of exploration that I had like back in WoW when I was super under-leveled as a rogue and was just put all my initial points in stealth and saw stealth how much of everywhere. Oh yeah, how much? <laughs> how how far could I go as a low low I dinged, like, three or four levels on just exploring in areas I couldn't kill a thing just by, like, sneaking around. I found that very interesting and fruitful. That was a unique thing I could do in that large world mm. because of the skill set that I was allowed to acquire, but I was still fucked in those areas. But, like, that was the yeah. thing I chose to do. But, like, other than that, it, it, it's like a, this is your zone. Next next zone is these levels. You won't even get the quests until you ding don't come here if you want to do game. If you mm. want to do fuck around, come here. And it's like it it feels like like you said in your article in the division, it feels much more like an MMO in that sort of sense as well. Yeah. Like these are your five things you can do in the area. A couple of them are mysteries, you might have to unlock them, but if you're in this area, you can do all of those things. Then you can move to the next one. And I think I I I don't need the numbers, but like the narrative guidance whether it's over the head like an MMO. Or through the story is what makes things like exploring out of your depth interesting and fun mm. it's Completely. giving sometimes like that constriction makes the other stuff better right
0: it, i mean it does I mean, one of my one of my favorite memories of uh, of everquest was i think i was i was maybe three days maybe two days into everquest and i'd leveled up a little bit um and i was playing well i wasn't i wasn't playing with a friend a friend played everquest and had played everquest longer than i had so he decided after i played for a little bit to start a new character and had started his character way 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 away in that race's starting city um and he said why don't you why don't you come over here you know experience kind of like the world and see how it kind of like all works and, uh, you know, and I was moving through the areas and stuff. You know, it wasn't quite the same. So I didn't have to stealth as much through. As long as you stuck to the path, you would just kind of make your way through the zone and stuff. So I was running through and I got to the zone before the next zone, which t- basically the, the, the zone before I would meet him and his start. The penultimate zone. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the city that he was in. Freeport, maybe. But I moved into the new zone big deserts, huge dunes, and I'm like, this this looks cool, this is brilliant, and I'm running along, and suddenly I get to the top of a dune, I see a load of people all milling about in the middle, like, oh wow, I wonder what these guys are doing, and I just think to myself, hmm, maybe I should just move on, but no, no, I stick around, I see what's going on, and suddenly this giant spider, like, you know, absolute master, just crests this dune and just descends on these people. And I was a little bit close within the range of mm. aggro. And, and it just came, you know, hit, right hit these him. guys, came over and instantly came. And in. I was just like, oh, brilliant. I've now got to do that run again. Oh, I've like just done. But the joy that I had of that experience, like I'd not seen anything of that scale yeah. yet in the game. And it was just like, this game has so much to kind of to offer me by me exploring and going out and kind of, suddenly going to another zone and seeing something that was much too high level for me
1: yeah but i mean so that's the thing that you don't really get in in like open world games like gta because there isn't really like the idea of leveled zones Mm. so there was a so i will give ghost recon um too lazy to say the whole thing um a credit in that i mean it it sort of it just didn't do enough of that like it made it so Mm -hmm. that like You could technically beat any zone, but you would kind of need to find the weapons in that zone through various, like, either finding out through the internet or whatever. Like, find a good gun, and then maybe you can manage. Because it's sort of the middle ground of, like, the enemies are a little tougher, but no enemy is, like, just outclasses you in general. So you could technically play the game in, in any route. There was just a lot of, like, implied progression but just, I guess, mm. it just didn't do one well or the other well, and I think that's why it's, it was a little sour on it. Also, to be honest, there wasn't a point to exploring because it was kind of just a giant, boring map. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, But yeah, so I think, like, open world fatigue is not fatigue of the concept of open worlds, it's fatigue of, like, the giant, stale environments. The
0: contents of the open world.
1: Yeah. There's no point in doing it if
0: there's nothing to do. Yeah, completely. Mm. Um, It leads us quite well on to chatting about The Division 2. But I'm ready for another beer. So I'm going to crack this one open. As I have it to hand, um, I said it was a Manchester brew. This is from Marble. Ah, yes, good old Marble. Uh, It is a, uh, a collaboration beer with Brookhouse Hops. Lisa Brook from Herefordshire. How? Ooh. Um. This is the Cross Collar West Coast Pale. It's five point two percent. It is a, a slightly bigger can, five hundred milliliters. Uh, and it says this West Coast style pale ale is brewed in collaboration with. And doesn't then tell me who it's brewed in collaboration <laughs> with. This West Coast style pale ale is brewed in collaboration with. And the hops sourced by Brook oh Brewing Collaboration with and the hops are sourced by Brookhouse Hops in Herefordshire. Okay. A grower and merchant committed to the highest quality throughout the supply chain. And to work with direct and to working direct with brewers and farmers. Brew by Marble Brewery. Yeah, I fucked that bit up. <laughs> Fair enough. It was written poorly. I'm gonna say that yeah. in, it's slightly in my defense. Adam, what are you drinking?
1: I have a beer from Amazing Brewery Company. Oh! It is called the Dark Ambition. It is a raspberry milk stout. At a oh okay seven percent, and it says a luxury sweet stout with creamy body from lactose. Ooh, let me try this again. I'm, I'm you're rubbing off on me. <laughs> I think it's because I wanted to say luxurious sweet stout, but it says a luxury sure. sweet toast. But mm. um, a Luxury sweet stout with creamy body from lactose and delightful fruitness from a very generous late raspberry edition with a fulsome mouthfeel and bitter roast to balance. This beer will have you reaching for more. And it just says barley, hops, lactose, raspberry, yeast, water, and the allergens are in bold. Uh, it is a 330 can... Uh, and as I said, 7% raspberry milk stout.
0: Um, nice. I don't think even um, in the last episode where you guys drank the Korean beers, they gave many ingredients, did they? No, and I don't know if that's because... Um,
1: so this is another one of those, as I was looking at the can. Um, it says in the bottom, brewette de Prof Brue in Belgium. So I don't know if this oh. is because... I mean, it's clearly... Canned and the packaging is probably done for an English audience, and they might just like cut out a lot of extra words they don't need. Um, yeah, I, I assume that there it's a, a recipe swap thing. I forgot to keep my copy of the magazine from Beer 52. <laughs> oh, also, I don't know when my next one's gonna come. I wanted to cancel it, but I forgot
0: <laughs> the ongoing Beer 52 cancellation saga.
1: Yeah, this is like the weirdest type of free press that they get, I think. Yeah, yeah it really is. <laughs> um, well, while, while my head settles, um, why don't you tell me about your beer? Sure. Um,
0: it's a very sort of similar color to the looks, to the previous beer. A little hazier? Um, a little hazier. A little yellowier? Maybe even... Maybe sort of like a deeper bronze, perhaps, mm. um, than the last one. I don't know whether that's just caused by a like little, much a big, little bit hazier. Mm. Um, head stuck around a little bit longer. Um, wasn't quite as big as the previous beer. The nose isn't giving me a huge amount. A little sweet, a little fruity. Not much at all on there. What is this, 5.2%? So I've gone for the lighter beer second. I think I went for the lighter one because it was a bigger... Uh, you know, a bigger can instead, just in case. But it's got a, a similar level of bitterness to the previous beer. A little more, maybe dank, a slight hoppiness, a slight dankness mm. to that bitterness kicking through, kind of in the fall. And it, all of that runs through and leads. I'm gonna have to have a big sip just to try and get that that, that end is. It's like on a bigger swig, it's slightly fruity in that four as well, only slightly. But it leads to a fruitiness. It leads into a very, very light sweetness. Like that dank nature of it is just flowing along with that bitterness all the way through. But there is just this really hard to grasp kind of sweetness which is right at the end but then lingers once the mouth has started to dry and those other things that sweetness is kind of just like just poking through like it's got a tiny needle that it's stabbing me with and that hmm. is all i'm kind of getting from it you know it's not a big uh not a big hit and it was, was it a west coast pale yeah west coast style pale ale um i might ruminate slightly i can come back to you on on what yours is like So,
1: the head's dissipated a little bit. It is... I mean, it's a stout. Yeah.
0: It's dark. Um,
1: And I'm borrowing um, from from the Lucy playbook because this is a pint-sized measuring cup. Nice. That's very good. Um, (laughs) Oh. Ooh. That nose, though. That is... That is chocolatey. Yeah? Yeah. So, so the sweetness... um, and the sort of roasted malts are giving it a sort of toffee-ish smell. And then um, the, the raspberry that hits with it, it, it sort of smells like a raspberry chocolate, like a dark chocolate and raspberry mm. um, chocolate. <laughs> lost, <laughs> lost my words there. <laughs> yep, this this thesis is going to be some eloquent. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And like now that I've had a little bit, I'm getting a little more of those malts and a little bit of the roasted on the end of the nose. So it sort of mm. stops being that sort of raspberry chocolate thing because you're getting a lot more of that burnt note as well. So it, it, it sort of kicks through. Once the raspberry fades, you're like, oh, no, there, this is like a, a roasted multi affair. That's really interesting. Yeah. Now we're getting a lot more um, of um, a coated mouthfeel, which isn't surprising with, with the Milk Stout. Mm. It's not too sweet, so they haven't overdone the lactose, which is my, my big That's like, worry about Milk Stouts. Is like, nope, Big peak is, is sweet. Um, this is a very smooth beer. Nice. What I really like is that finishes... The raspberry sort of is, is, is very stable. Stays basically the same low, mid-low level throughout. But as the rest of the beer sort of crescendos down, sort of crescendos and heads down, that those roasted malts do just kick through. Okay. And so you're left with, again, and then as those fade, you have that light hint of raspberry as well. Like, it just never stops, but it's not really in the way. So you mm. have this, like, the sweetness and the ra- brings the raspberry out then the sweetness starts to fade then this bitter roasted taste comes in and then as that ebbs you're like oh yeah there's that raspberry still
0: this nice. is a really well-balanced
1: okay. um what I like uh, so I really like well-balanced beers in general but what I yeah. I really like when the balance still takes sort of a, a a journey like where you have peaks and valleys of the taste rather than like this is the beer everything works you can taste everything i mean sometimes it works really well. I think like Wiper and True often have a really excellent bounce throughout with less of a huge taste curve. But when mm, you can... True. Right. While this is sort of like that raspberry's riding strong and then the taste curve is going around it, but they never fight. And that's really interesting to me. This is a really tasty, interesting beer. Nice. And yeah, there, some, again, that creaminess from the the lactose just coats the mouth a little more I, I don't need to reach for it again. I am because mm. I'm sort of trying to. To be honest, I'm trying to chase a bit of that bitter roasted multi feel because it sort of isn't there in the beginning, and then by the end it's gone,
0: and <laughs> you want it. Yeah, you need it. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's a shame I um I didn't get this box. I cancelled, however long ago I did, because yeah. it, you know the beers that you've had have all sounded mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, so it's kind of you know the the one box I don't get is then full of interesting beers.
1: Yeah, but I mean I've had a handful where it's like I'm putting zero of these on the pod because meh.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's always going to be the way with a subscription based service, isn't it? Not the the same with when you go to the box shop. Not every beer is going to hit for everybody. Not every beer is made for everybody. Same as same as any anything. Any product is not always made for everybody. Although yeah. people would like it to be. Uh, so see so they can get more sales and things Fuck. but
1: sorry i i have to i'm got too much logic on the brain and so i was thinking of the ambiguity of the sentence of there there is there is a beer for every for everybody but is there is that the saying there is a beer such that it everyone will like it or is it saying there it is the case that for everybody there is a beer out there that they will like
0: Yes, I'm going to go with the second one. Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't
1: think the first one exists. But I actually no, there's no way so, one beer caters yeah, so to. So this is everyone. the thing I do tell people who are like I don't really like beers. So I'm like I bet, given enough time, we could find you a beer you would like. Hmm. And it takes some time, um, but like I'm pretty good at learning people's taste. I'm like no, this is a beer you like. This won't like this was one you or on this menu you'll probably like this one the best because the 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 variety of beers we can get is is so vast. Yeah. And like to be honest, especially in the summers with juice bombs and stuff, like Yeah. Like you don't yeah. like beers, you don't like the bitter, that's fine. Have have this overpowered squash. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it because it doesn't taste like beer, but I
0: have found you a beer you would like. Yeah. Oh, juice bombs for everybody. Hooray. I think um, I'm gonna
1: start calling juice bomb beers overpowered squash. They're not JBs, they're OSs. That's good. Yeah. Oh, tanked up, coined. Also, we're uh, gonna. This is a great uh, time to announce our new merch from the tanked up mint. It's the tanked up coin. (laughs) Also, from the Chocolatier, the tanked up mints. Chocolatey
0: mints. Yeah. Um. Just before we move on, this beer (laughs) has um. (laughs) <laughs> this beer has has grown um, in flavor a little I don't know whether it was the the IPA previously which was um, kind of holding it back possibly on my palate but mm. that sweetness that I'm sort of that I was saying comes through a little more at the end is starting to um, and it may just be that because I've been drinking it a little more that that is sticking around a little bit more that I am getting that sweetness a little earlier. After I have have sipped from my glass, so I can't tell you whether it was um, whether it was subdued previously or whether it now just sticks around from more drinking. Yeah. But it, it it kind of enhances it just a little bit that it's not not quite just that dank bitterness now. That sweetness is there as well, just to lift everything very slightly. Um, and I, you know, I like a dank bitter beer. But I prefer a dank bit of beer, which has got something else yeah. to it, um, and this is starting to to give me a little bit more, which is nice. It'd be interesting if that runs all the way through this as well, if that sticks around right until the um, right until the death of it. So,
1: and so I'll I'll add that um, that roasted taste is now lingering more, and I think, um, mm. and and also the sweetness is coming out a little more as well, and I think it was just because I had. Probably still had too much of the tartness and that 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 very singular bitterness. Yeah, um, that went really well with the tartness. But those two tastes, I think, were probably holding back some of the other things going on with the spear from the mm-hmm. um milkshake IPA because I'm getting the roasted flavors, which I thought were, I mean, they still sort of peak at, like grow and then and, and drop, but it, it's ling, it's not dropping as much, It's not growing from uh, as. Drop them far off a place, I'm, I'm, and some of that might just be that it's just sticking around longer, but I thought it wasn't sticking around when I first had a few sips, so that's nice to hear because I I think the, that's one of the, the more interesting notes right now on this beer, and the fact that I'm, it's around in my mouth now when it, I thought it would disappear is, is, is it good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's just the, the problem of back-to-back beers, what can you do?
0: Yeah, uh, you, I mean, we never... Uh, it, some weeks you can you can you know exactly which order you should have them in but then if you've never tasted a beer before you don't know what effect that's then going to have on the on the next one so uh, you may think oh I'll just have this pale ale but actually it's a a really deep really bitter kind of pale yeah. and that then just just contaminates the next beer that you've got coming along it's very difficult to to be able to kind of judge that mhm so the division 2 um, we were part of both the- of us private closed beta. Yes. Because we, we were... Um, uh, we filled out our email you, uh,
1: addresses on a website.
0: That's right, <laughs> yes. The only reason. We haven't pre-ordered it because yeah. pre-ordering isn't a real thing. So, um... Oh, uh, we should have had Lucy here for the whole debate about pre-ordering. Anyway, I'm going to let you lead this. Oh, Since so it's your segment. Huh.
1: Oh! N- n- nice, uh nice pass there. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i'm sure most people i mean we alluded to before uh, the green blight or whatever it's called green death something like that the evil green smoke from new york has apparently spread across the world or at least to dc but yeah. society's Around America a the, the government seems to be gone the police force military has some minor presence but not really and it tells us huge thing about um Basically, people rising up to defend those who can't defend themselves, and then you come mm-hmm. to town as part of the JTF, um, which was the, the who you are in the division one, and you're coming to be the new sheriff in town. And it seems very much to to suggest that you don't really have bosses; you're just skilled, and there are other operatives, but yep. you're not. You're not. It doesn't seem like you're under command. It does does definitely seem like the government's kind of collapsed. But there's people working. Out of the White House and trying to organize things, but also there's roving gangs three blocks away. Um, uh, That's the premise. Uh, Other than that, it is a division game.
0: (laughs) It is almost exactly the same as the division. Um, I think it it edges a little more towards the division after, say, uh, nine months or a year. It's not quite as clumsy. In its gameplay, as maybe the division oh, yeah. was when it first released, which is which is exactly kind of what I wanted from another division game. Really, you know, it's it's, uh, it's you it's, don't want growing
1: pains. You you want more polished than on the new engine, basically.
0: Yes, and uh, you know what did we expect from the division two? It was never going to iterate to a point that it was a very different experience. Really, it was going to be more of the same, slightly refined with additional elements, I suppose. Yeah.
1: And so, like, things like your scopes now turn into scopes is a nice touch. Yeah. Um, which, instead of just vaguely making the crosshounds, our hairs closer <laughs> and giving you higher damage. Um, yeah, it, it it feels like uh, we played it on the PS4. It feels like, you know, I've played a little um, with the aiming percentages or whatever things and it seems Mm. a little tighter in just the minor moves you can make at least for me last time i tried the division one even when i was playing with sensitivity couldn't quite get it was still kind of herky-jerky and i did all right yeah um when we played together uh i had moments where i clearly was panicking and was like nope not shooting anything well what are you doing until pay attention (laughs) um your job is to hit as close to head as possible um that's what it means oh, to be my shot his toe off, oh dear, yeah. um but uh, yeah, and it, yeah, it feels a lot tighter um yeah. already. it's hard to tell what the final polished product will look like because boy, was it janky looking in
0: parts it was, yeah, yeah, um, there were times I got some screenshots of where there were um smoke, some of the green smoke emanating from, I don't know, from a manhole, or it was just hovering around in the air somewhere, and it wasn't green smoke, it was five large blocks just moving all around, kind of in different patterns, and then suddenly, after ten seconds of standing there, it popped in, like, yep, that smoke,
1: cool. In, like, the draw distance and, like, texture swapping that's common in engines because of obviously resources which is like so apparent yeah like what? Do you it's want... a beta yeah although it's supposed to come out next month <laughs> yep not much of a beta gotta, so i assume they're gotta, giving us a, a, wonder... a super old build so they can test the networking and stuff
0: exactly exactly that's what i was going to say you got to wonder what build it is i know that it was shown um like an egx and i don't know whether the build is any different to that one you know that was six months ago now uh, mm. maybe five months ago something like that so you've got to wonder whether they just went right we've got this super we've got this stable build that we want to stress test the servers and we want people to start to play it to get it into their minds a little bit more yeah let's release this one rather than the much more polished one, which is going to take us a lot more time to implement into a the yeah, similar exactly. kind of situation that we already have this building.
1: Also, if we're if we're trying to test test the net, network architecture, we don't also need to test like all the render like depending on how much server yes. side rendering or anything like that is done. Like, yes, yeah. like, that's not what we're doing. Um, but it because it's so close to launch, it is a bit of a gamble.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. There is another beta. Which is an open one coming the first weekend of March, I think yeah uh, uh, which is two weeks before release yeah I think. assume that's
1: when they' they're also doing larger network stress testing.
0: Uh,
1: if they it'd be a weird decision though I wouldn't be surprised, but it would be a weird decision to keep the same build that was pretty jank. I mean didn't you fall yeah. through the floor at one point?
0: No, I uh, I didn't fall through the floor. Well, you got I didn't, I didn't, floor, I didn't right? continuously fall yeah. through the floor. I got, uh, I did fall through the floor up into about my waist, and then and then I just got stuck uh, as I leant into cover, as, as I as I pressed the button to move into cover. He then just dropped, sort of two foot. So yeah, he was waist. So any time I was then aiming, it was trying to look over the top, but it was just looking at right. the box that I was hiding behind. Um, and then I was stuck. I couldn't move. Then, then it suddenly allowed me to move, and then it almost instantly dropped me back down. Yeah. So there were there were issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course. So I mean, I, I
1: know there'll be points where your gun's too low level, and so the bullet sponging will really suck. That's yeah. part and parcel with the thing. Uh, I like. I mean, it's not surprising, but things like being able to turn off all like numbers falling out of people and the gps and most of the hud um which mm. took six to nine months to have all those tweaks in and they were original obviously because it's a sequel they know people want this you can do that right away yeah. i really like that i i mean the gps was always able you were able to turn off but the large chunks of the other bits of the hud you weren't until later in post-release and i think especially if you're doing that sort of more exploratory thing it's nice to just pretend like you're just a dude although um for me i sometimes i actually like th- uh, um the numbers falling out because sometimes that's a clearer indicator when it's a larger enemy of how much of their health is gone because if they're further sure. off and they've got a bunch of armor it's less clear how many of those white boxes have disappeared it, it, than the yes, yeah, big, big number much, falling yeah. out of them yeah um we it seems like it's the same idea you have um L1 and R1 for different sort of gadgets. Mm. And the only gadgets they allowed us to play with were... Drones, turrets, and roly mines.
0: Yeah, I... Are all of those... I don't know where the drones are I returning. think drones are n- new. Drones new. So the turrets are the, the same, apart from you can f- now get... Different turrets, um, the sort of like the seeker roller mines, or little little orbs that you can sort of like roll towards people. Uh, I think they were in the previous game as well. I can't remember what it was, Um, but I mean, I like the
1: the like. I don't know because I don't remember enough of it, but also because I didn't play it after the expansions and stuff. I don't know if the aerial version of the roller mine was there, where it rolls and jumps in the air and then explodes. And I found that very useful because it seemed to distract even if it didn't kill people right away. I mean, usually if there's like four or five guys there and I caught them with that, that firefight, we were like, just had the advantage.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And now having said that, I didn't try the non-aerial version of it, um, but it did seem like that's the one that's designed for multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it took me a while, because it wasn't clear how to do it, to use the sniper turret, because it's not auto-fire. It yes. basically scans the area with a laser and then if when you're when you're targeting a person and you hover over them, you can hit L one or like the, the button that you use to dis- deploy it. You can hit that again to target that person and then it'll just try and scroll back to them and shoot and fire. And so you kinda have to play a lot more button tapping, but mm. it does a lot of damage. Um which I, I enjoyed I until th- I got a marksman rifle and realized I can't handle all those things which makes sense because the idea would be if i'm not a sniper i can have a sniping thing and still
0: do my yes running. exactly exactly i was gonna say as a, as a kind of like a backup um i had sort of like the the auto turret which was nice because it does a little bit of crowd control you yeah there's a lot hover, of suppression and stuff yeah you can hover the crosshairs over an enemy and, and tap tap the button to um to, to target them and the auto turret will then just just assail them with bullets um that allows you to kind of flank and to move different positions and things, which is nice. But I can see how well that sniper turret would work if you play as I do, which is a little bit more medium to close range. Um, and have you it could uh, further back. Suddenly, suddenly, you're looking just in front of you, and you, that's when you can hit the the, the, the the or the manual targeting sort of thing to then get that guy yeah. that's pretty close I, to you. But. Yeah, I was just like,
1: because then you can easily get the get get the aim on them. Well, for me, it was like. A couple of bosses, I when I finally figured how to do it, I was like, "You're fucked!" Like just took them out with a few shots with that turret. Yeah. But it needed to be deployed in a decent place, and me to focus on just doing that because I didn't tend not to come as close. It meant that there were less. It was less accurate. It's clearly for. I throw this back there, and I run up, and then it's aiming with a larger breadth. But I, I my aim, of, my aiming for it, it'll be not bad. I think Completely. it's a really cool idea. I obviously didn't use it the right way, but that's how you learn these things.
0: I mean, yeah, very much. And again, it's nice that you know that the um, the assault turret would give you... Or not assault turret, I don't know what it is. Like the full auto turret would give you a lot of suppression, especially if you want to then uh, have a sniper rifle, that you yeah. have that kind of that backup, uh, or at least that little bit of crowd control to stop people getting too close to you. It's nice that they have started to deviate a little bit with these builds and allow you a little more freedom in how you kind of want to 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 back yourself up or the build that you kind of go for which i think for me works quite well because i don't want to play this game by myself as i did with the with the division you know if if the two of us pick it up i'm yeah. only going to play it when we're both available yeah me or too when the wider you know when the wider community um of, of out of lives guys you know, we've got a few people who are thinking about picking it up when people are available to play that is when i will play it's not the kind of game i want to play by myself so to know that i have uh not just ability to build a character i kind of got the freedom to jump between different things as well and to build a, a team or a duo or you know, yeah around different things it's really nice to have well and what's really nice is that
1: like there are as long as you're not in combat or, or i can't remember the other restriction off the top of my head but there's a couple of restrictions but outside of that you can you can have four presets, basically four loadouts. I think. Yes. So I think the fourth one is unlocked by a skill point, but by the time you have enough gear for that to be the case, I'm sure you can do that. And that way, I think would be so. Sometimes you just don't need a fucking sniper guy, or sometimes you like it would be so much better because it's a bunch of guys walking around in a build like a building site. If you guys just like three of us took out our marksman rifles and picked off half the guys before even approaching, and like the fact exactly, that you can do yeah. that type of thing is really interesting, right? yeah um i in true fashion um a few of those firefights It's like ah fuck sniper rifle to pistol to pistol killing guy who's right in my face skipping entirely over the like medium range <laughs> gun <laughs> um but uh yeah so i mean i'm looking forward to the fact that you'll be being able to switch between those so like Someday I might like some days it'll, it's way less arduous than like changing all gear to be like let me try the medium range thing or like the you know I I mean you've seen me in Battlefield One even with the like scoped guy rifles and stuff I run a gun a lot anyways and so <laughs> it'd be it'd be not, it's it'd be a real advantage right to not have to wait to die or go to a specific place to, yes, to calm down yes, and squat to be like. No, I see this situation. This is one of the ones where I could just be an, an asshole and run in and shoot some people, yeah, then I duck brought and this extra weapon
0: with me to cover that range difference. Yeah. I can just sub that in, yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's um uh, it's got a lot going for it. Uh, especially uh, well, it could be interesting. I, I, it could be interesting, but I don't I'm not I'm not playing the division for plot. Um I think that so far from what we've experience so far and it'd be interesting to see if the open beta is the same, yep. might not be the same build, but it might be the same set of open areas and what you're right. able to, I'm to do. I'm assuming it'll be pretty close. Um, I'm not taken with DC at all. New York kind of like instantly had an impact um, and I think, I think a lot of this is to do with um, with cultural touchstones, yep. with uh, with knowing kind of, or at least having a knowledge of New York, uh, either through entertainment products, through TV shows and movies, or general knowledge. Just general knowledge of, of New York and landmarks, um, and you know, we've uh, recently we had Spider Man again set in New York, and you had that familiarity to it. Yeah. Uh, DC doesn't have the same feel to it. Yes, there are landmarks, but like you don't really know how close they are or
1: whatever. Like you don't. I've got no idea.
0: idea. Yeah, I got. I absolutely. I have absolutely no idea that you've got like the White House here. You know, I don't know the the urban layout of yeah. DC. I don't know where things are. I have no reference to that. So that's fine. But it for me, it could be anywhere really. Yeah, it's um, just
1: anywhere with a White House.
0: Yeah, yeah anywhere that, with a government building right, yeah. that is familiar, sure.
1: And that's one of the reasons why, because it seems like the government's fallen, wife I found it curious that they put it there. Um, yeah. One of the things I did like about The Division 1 was all the weird little things, like the echoes were a really cool way of telling you the backstory yeah. through, these, like, through your magic watch and these holographics. Um, and then you also had like those odd cell phone things to p- pick up. And I found myself stumbling into them this time. And I, I think part of it might've just been, well, it's a beta, so I don't need to get the experience, but I was never really getting these things for experience. I was just like, I don't care about this phone call. I just have already tuned sure. it out and run away. And I don't yeah. know how much of that was like, well, I only have an hour to play this, but I think part of it is just like, that was unique and exploring and learning about the, what happened at the event. Yes, yes. In New York was unique, and so it was like people panicking, or, hey, you know, hey, Josh, blah, 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 oh my god, what's that? Like, these types of phone calls were interesting, Mm -hmm. and now they're just more of the same. I agree, yeah. Like, Uh, none of that plot seemed to do anything differently except for that it, one cell phone it, in the White House where, like, I think the fifth in chain of command is dead. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. We're...
0: Yeah, there was there was one I picked up which was between, I think it was between two, um, what we would have been, what would have been enemies to us, between sort of, like, two gang members. It's like, I don't want to listen to what he's saying to me. I'm gonna fucking go off by myself. Like, i like, just don't care. Just don't give a shit about the world, like, 18 months later, really. It was super interesting, and At the event. I guess it was about people
1: you could relate to in the extraordinary circumstance, not like Joe Bob in this world. Well, I'm also a Joe Bob. Like I could have that phone
0: conversation. And they, I mean, they could have, they could have done it in a way. We go back to our, our previous discussion about how, you know, how do you, how do you show something that is further on from the event They could have been much more interesting sort of things to say, and yes, they're only like phone calls, but they're like little thirty-second collectibles. But this is exposition, and it worked really well in Division One. It did, and it worked really well. So I don't know whether it's maybe just the ones that I've picked up so far. I'm hoping I'll still try and and seek
1: them out. And there was one Echo I bumped into that, like normally at least in Division One, the Echo would play some video, and then you could like click for more information on certain characters in the scene mm. and then it would resolve essentially and this one it would play the whole thing didn't resolve just sort of sat there and I was like
0: yes yeah
1: and then I walked out and walked back in and I'm like and I re-triggered and did the whole thing again I'm like, yeah the okay. same thing happened yeah it's like uh, I don't need to hear this conversation is this a bug is this just like I don't know like I thought I had some idea based on the previous game now I don't know I'm walking away and now I don't give a shit about chasing down echoes yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> Instantly spoiled for you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Like, I mean, uh, it's got.
1: I mean, so one thing that I didn't get to do um, was the end game content. One thing I think that's really cool is the way they scale grouping. Mm. Like everyone gets normalized. Yeah. Um, which is super interesting. Um, and I, I mean, I, I we only played that tutorial mission. That was last time I could touch the game. And, uh, but I'm interested in that because I only did a little bit of dark zoning mm. in Division One, mostly because I didn't have people to play with.
0: Yeah, and that's a lot harder to I mean, do. It, it, I mean, it is. I did a lot of solo dark zoning, but like uh, however, parts? what was it? Maybe six months. However long it was when the survival. Pack came out yeah. for the division. When that—that's when I jumped back into the division. When that when that mode was introduced, um, and I jumped into the main game and played a lot of the Dark Zone. Then, um, so a- again, it's one of those that I want to experience that as part of a group, as part of a team. And you know, we didn't get that in the in the beta, uh, but it'd be interesting to see how they do that. Considering it is normalizing things now. It's not tiered zones. Yeah for you to kind of be able to go into so yeah whether that bumps up all well, of so your gear whether that just bumps yourself up i don't, I don't know kind of how that really so I don't, works yet i wouldn't be surprised if they
1: haven't given tiered zones based on your dark zone level but your base level is what's being scaled because dark zone level in the last one gave you access to some of the more lucrative areas yeah but you were your your base level. If like if you were one of the reasons we didn't play together was because I played it mostly on PC, and then I picked it up for a song on PlayStation. But I only got yeah. to like level ten or something before giving up on the game because we couldn't really play together. Mm. Uh, when you were playing, and it took me a while to catch up because I was trying to solo everything and being rubbish with controllers. Um, <laughs> like and and then it was like okay, well I mean I have no problem. I got a lot of enjoyment out of this on yeah on the pc I, I enjoyed replaying some of those missions fine i'm okay with giving up on this game um I, I think I got my money's worth of both purchases combined um but it was like suboptimal and so the idea that like if you end up outpacing me by the time like it seems like you can access the dark zone within the first couple hours of play so mm. even if we end about like our character levels end up being distant, which I suspect we won't try and do. But if that happened, we still have an area of the game we could play together where yeah, we can completely. be yeah. competent and like reasonably close.
0: Yeah, very much. I it's it's a nice kind of like it's a nice touch, definitely. Uh, obviously, it would be good to experience sort of like the whole thing with a core three like, or four group or of players, like three or four. You know, even is just the two of us. It'd be nice to yeah. experience the Some majority of, of what that game has to offer together. Um, but it's nice that if things do start to drift a little bit, there is something you can do. Well, you know, not just with you, but with, with anyone. You know, you want to play this, suddenly someone picks it up two months later, you can then just be like, okay, yeah. come to the Dark Zone with us. It kind of like, it normalizes, we, we, we can we can bring you in. Uh, we can all play, play together while to you understand. play the plot yourself. Yes so it's i mean it's doing a lot that i like and i like the first game so i'm kind of already i'm already sold on the division two really what the beta kind of did was it didn't show me that there was any glaring issues or anything that i would stick away from it from so like i think i said It'd be interesting to see what build the open beta is going to be on to see whether things have been addressed and are a little bit smoother yeah. uh, a little bit tighter just to know a little bit more what that final product is going to come out as uh, I think currently it's a bit of a given that I'm going to be picking this up um, yeah me too because I'll be done. <gasps> You need
1: something to do. Uh, well, I still have God of War, um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, Red Dead Two, all the best games of 2018. Yeah, uh, and you know what? I still haven't played, but I gave a good, strong recommendation to uh, a fellow in the department, who's nope. like, "This game is amazing. Don't, don't touch it. Tell you done your PhD." But you definitely, because I told him, like, all oh, my friends love it. I'm, I'm sure you'll love it if you like these types of games. But I've avoided it like the plague because of PhD. And he's like, You need to play this game once you're done with your PhD. Witcher three. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> My triple A epic game backlog is very long.
0: Oh the Witcher 3 is Like
1: you don't understand. Like March through September slash forever, people are gonna be like, Why are they talking about these games? <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I talk about the Witch 3 all fucking day. Witch 3 is phenomenal. It's one of the best games I've made.
1: I'm going to play that one, then the second one, then the first one. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to overturn my completionist tendencies by just inverting them. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then if I never get to the first one, that's okay.
0: Yeah. You won't have to worry about it then. Yeah. Um, So that means if a new one comes
1: out, I just stop the second one and go to the
0: fourth one. (laughs) Breaks the cycle completely. Um, Play The Witcher Three. Everyone should play The Witcher Three. I'm
1: I'm joking. I'm just gonna play a lot of Apex, Overwatch, Fortnite, and PUBG.
0: (laughs) You're not though, are you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put them on the PS4 and the PC, and while I'm waiting for a group on one, I'll just jump on the other.
0: Just like sort of you know, like every hacking scene in any movie. Yeah, exactly. Jump between things with your fingers. Just. Well, Being see, able to do all so of So I'll,
1: I'll have keyboard, controller, mouse. Yeah. And so I'll be like, move the mouse, grab the controller, somehow play the game with one hand on, on a controller. Sure. Yeah. And, and 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 then people will be like, wow, his accuracy is just the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really bad. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and- it's like there's this joke about this guy who who challenges six people to play 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 a chess at the same time, and then the claim is that like, I'm just I am just as good at playing like with six people as I'm a one, which is terrible, <laughs> loses every game.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Uh so listener, you should probably be hearing about the Division Two in the near future. Maybe The Witcher 3, maybe Spider-Man, maybe God of War, maybe Red Dead 2, who knows? Ada will be revisiting some games oh. at some point in, in the future.
1: Also, I feel like the game is just an even number. Just even number, cause it's divisible by two. Too much of a stretch? <laughs> Any natural
0: number? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. By two a little, minutes, bit, a little, little too far, perhaps, on that one. So! I mean, the Division is...
1: 1 was just the same number. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Can so, I... this game oh, is can I call the it halvesies? I'm going to call it Havsys. It's Division 2. It's called halvesies now.
0: yeah Um Or is it 2 over 1? No, that's just 2. There's no exactly. division in that exactly it's just two um,
1: the game isn't two it's division two divide by two <laughs> Habsies I'm calling it Habsies
0: um, Ubisoft Habsies beers beers for this week Adol you had two they were both very different
1: well they're they're fruity milky things that was the thing <laughs> fruity milky things
0: but I'm mm. serious
1: Blackcurrant it's berry milky things Blackcurrant Milkshake IPA raspberry milk stout yep berry milky okay. things that's fair. I liked them both. I think I'm leaning towards the dark ambition, though. I, I think that's especially when um, the uh, the Gembusu Gansen blackcurrant milkshake IP sort of left my palate. The yep. the roasted malts were coming out a lot stronger, and that gave a lot more texture and like there's just a lot more going on in the taste, and it all worked really well. They're both really well balanced beers in the sense of there's things going on and the tastes that are different but they all work well together Blackcurrant Milkshake IPA was more stable like, like mm. the taste curve was flat uh, the Dark Ambition sort of had some, some peaks and, and troughs um, and that, that sort of allowed the raspberry to sort of ebb and flow even though I think it was pretty stable throughout just because the other things were moving Uh, And and that roasted malts, the fact that they ended up sticking around um, and so like sort of being stronger than hitting the raspberry a little bit and then just being left with a little bit of a roasted flavor um, uh, along with that just sort of raspberry chocolate vibe on the top was very, very good. And again, not like in-your-face raspberry, not like in-your-face blackcurrant either. They're both very sort of – you could tell that's what the berries were, but they weren't balmy. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we're easily recommend both but I'm going to pick the Dark Ambition from
0: okay. nice. Amazing Brewing company mm, good. ABC. I think it's very similar for me this week that I would recommend both beers um, the cross-collar the West Coast IPA from Marble was very easy it is a it is a pale out it's very light um, getting a little bit of that dankness a little bit of sweetness coming through there but I think the Corbel from 8 Arch picks it for me a little bit this week, just because it was a, a bit. Uh, the the flavour was just a little bit more, uh, slightly Moorish. Actually, I think I mm. would like to have that beer again over the West Coast, uh, pale, which was which was fine. It was very easy to drink, but it didn't do much for me really. Mm. Um, just a very easy drinking beer that I could you know I could I could have another one yes but. I think i'd reach for the corbel um more than i would from the from the cross collar perhaps uh, just because it gave me a little bit more uh, and that that mix between the bitterness and that kind of grapefruit beginning into those stone fruits and that little bit of sweetness kind of worked a little bit better than the uh, than the the bitterness into the sweetness of the of the cross collar perhaps they were both doing kind of Slightly similar sort of things, but in different ways, uh, and the Corbel just did that a little bit better. So uh, it's it's a very strong start, at least for me from Eight Arch, who at some point when I'm somewhere that actually stocks it, I will pick up again. And right. um, I did see that they had you know it wasn't just an IPA a pale. They had a couple of beers which were a little more kind of out there. I don't know how long these guys have been around for, but they do have some um, some slightly more interesting styles as well going. So I think it would be kind of I'd then take the jump. Right. You know, I'd go for if they did a milkshake IPA, I'd go for the milkshake IPA. Right. Uh, if they did some kind of spiced porter, I'd go for a you know well, I'd trying go for a spiced to, porter. <laughs> trying to pick something a little different to see if yes, they've got a very good very good IPA. Uh, it'd be nice to see kind of what they do a little bit more flamboyant perhaps in a completely different sort of style
1: I mean I think this is similar to like uh, if I go to when I was more pretentious about coffee I went to a cafe and I would order like a latte or a flat white um, Yeah. because having to pull the shot the right way and be able to foam the milk the right way and then um, showed me how good they were at dealing with coffee even though my preferred drink has no milk in it yeah like it was just like this is a way to measure it and i think that's sort of become my stance on like an ipa with no extra like code words um for a brewery or 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 even just like an apa or something something like in that mid-range of craft standard craft brewery things where it's like Mm. i don't know who you are but i don't want to trust you doing something bonkers yeah yet because that could go poorly so What's your take on this very standard craft beer entry? Yeah, <laughs> there's easy to do wrong. Yep, It's easy to do wrong. It's easy to do okay. takes a little extra to do something interesting. And a lot of breweries can do that. But, like, that's your good tried, tested, and true. And then mm. from there, you're like, cool. They've done that. So I'll pass that test. I now sort of have some trust with them. Because if you pick something bizarre and they don't do it well, you're like, well, I don't... Doesn't give me any insight whether I should ever pursue them again. But if you pick a, like a staple, and they've done mm-hmm. not done it well,
0: you're like, well, can't do that. Don't know if I'd bother <laughs> again. Yeah, I mean, you may you may then pick something slightly different. You know, if you IPA, I think is a very good kind of uh, mid ground for for kind of everything, as you say, without any other additional code words. Just a solid standard IPA is a good kind of growing point for for kind of any brewery. As I think, maybe um, really like a pale ale. I think maybe is a little too light, perhaps to get a, to get a flavour from. That's what much I mean, easier to do, a, all right. It is. It is. When a pale is done well, it is done really well. Um, but there's so many people that kind of do pales okay. So I kind of shy away a little bit from them. But I think maybe a stout is maybe the other one that I would... You know, IPA and stout are kind of the two that I would pick between. Well, I guess my problem with that
1: is it's it's actually now that stouts are... I mean, especially in this time of year, but in general, stouts are being made with more frequency. Hard to find without a code word. And sometimes that changes the field a lot. I think a stout does the same thing as an IPA in the same way, but it's actually... Kind of hard to find just a stout with no, yeah, extra perhaps, yeah,
0: yeah. I know. Um, we had uh, it was last year in one of the beer 52 boxes, and I can't remember what box it was. It was just like an, an awards box or like a best-of box. And more do a stout, which is a very good stout and uh, like good chemistry. Um, oh no, what's it called? Shadow Future? Oh, that sounds familiar. Is that what the beer is called? is is just a very good standard stout uh so you know places do do them but as you say they are a lot more infrequent than than just a standard ipa from people uh you know coffee is thrown in yeah a lot just as something else to give it a bit of a kick to a, to a stout so just try and find just a standard sort of stout. but uh, some good beers this week yeah. from, yeah, from totally. each of us so To finish out, if you'd like more from us, go to outlives.net. Other people make podcasts. Other people write things. I've written something about The Division 2. I didn't touch on much of what I'd written uh, in our conversation. Yes, conveniently. Um, So go there to think about, think about, read what I thought about The Division 2. I've also got another post up about uh, Days Gone... Which is a game coming from Sony very soon. Um, so there's lots of things on Out of lives on that for you to go to, including, at all, mm-hmm. this next act.
1: Yeah, it's a little, it's been a bit of a hiatus because the producer's swamped with his PhD thing. Uh, <laughs> and he feels guilty about that. But there's still plenty of episodes to catch up on, and we are going to be pushing new episodes out in the next couple of weeks. I have a co-producer slash uh, another editor on the job um, to help um, deal with that. And uh, in March, we will be releasing two episodes a week to catch up on the backlog.
0: Oh, nice! I look forward to that. Um, so, how do people talk to you if they want to do so? Um, probably with their on mouths. the internet, not just in the street. Uh...
1: Uh, you can reach me at the OmniArc on all of the things except Twitch, where I'm the underscore OmniArc. Also, I'm the underscore OmniArc on PlayStation if I need to use my European account for European codes, as we figured out with The Division. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a pain in the ass that was. Yeah, <laughs> Not cause... so much for me. I just have to hang around and wait for you to deal with the shit you had to deal with.
1: What's wrong? Sorry, the cat just started howling.
0: Uh-oh. Angry, Angry. cat. Oh, or upset cat, at least. Terrible that is going to be fun uh, we'll finish recording yeah, and then fun. I'll deal with that lovely lovely oh, yeah, cap, yes. um, I would I would assume that when the PhD is done uh, at least for maybe the Division 2 you may stream a little more
1: uh, yeah I might actually start doing that um, and uh, yeah find me on Twitter etc um, and ask me my Nintendo Switch code and I'll gladly play Nintendo games with you
0: Yeah, uh, I am at Nova underscore 47 almost everywhere uh, contact me on Twitter or comment on one of my posts in Out of Lives if you want to play some games with us. Uh, you can also get us generally at up underscore cast over on Twitter or TankedUpCast at Gmail dot com if you want to have some long form thoughts. Follow uh, us on Instagram. Just message us somewhere else. Like, oh yes! Oh yes! I forgot to take pictures okay. today. What are we? Tanked up cast on Instagram, just tanked up cast. Or yeah, yeah just of course.
1: Up? Yeah, no, no, I, I f- figured what we were—we were on Twitter and Gmail and matched that. Are we tanked up underscore cast? Oh no, we're just tanked up cast. <laughs> oh, wasn't no? Didn't I? Wasn't I going to change ta- our Twitter to tanked up
0: cast? You did mention you were going to change our Twitter, but I don't think you did.
1: No, because I wanted to make sure it was okay with you that I did that because I didn't want to feel like. Yeah, okay. Uh, I <laughs> and now knowing and saying that someone's going to have taken it somehow.
0: Um, <laughs> That's it. I'll even if that. you look at it in the next five minutes, even though this is unpublished, someone's it's gone. Yeah, Yep, someone's yep. stolen it. So for another week, whilst we sort out our Twitter, been tags up. Goodbye.
1: Ciao. Not kitty ciao though. That's on my floor.
0: Yeah. 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 www.outoflives.net